Welcome to our Christmas Eve services. We're so glad you're with us today. What a joy to be in the house of the Lord. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 through 6 says it like this. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. Born under law to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls Abba Father. This passage is one of the greatest passages of hope. It brings hope that the Messiah, he was sent to be a hope giver. That the Father no longer wanted separation between him and his creation. That he wanted to redeem them back to himself. So he sent the blessed hope. Jesus was actually born to save. And I think about hope in this, this time frame. It's almost like the world sucks hope out of us. Life has a way of causing us to doubt if God is really still there. Life has a way of causing us to wonder, can we even, can we even keep this marriage together? Is, is there even hope to even sustain this relationship? Sometimes we lose hope that those kids will ever come back and serve God with us. Sometimes we lose hope that, that we'll ever come out of the poverty situation that we seem constantly to be repeating over and over again. Sometimes it seems as though all hope is gone. When it comes to things like, uh, am I going to keep working this dead-end job? God, what about the dream you put in my heart? What about that? And it seems so often that hope is stolen. But I'll tell you today, Jesus Christ, the hope giver, the word talks about it like this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I meet so many people whose heart is sick. They've lost hope that God could ever do anything. They're not even sure if he's really real sometimes after even growing up in the church. Oh, but friend, I love what Psalms 25 and 3 says. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. Come on, somebody. And those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. God literally will not put you and me to shame because we put our hope in him. Yes, sometimes it seems so far off. Like Francisco, who thought he had a God-inspired movie that would change the world, only to die with that movie being a failure in his lifetime. Oh, but we're playing it out in the foyer today as a movie that really did bring life and that it really is a wonderful life. So many years ago, God said, how may I bring back humanity to myself? When we talk about Christmas, see, Christmas is more than a, a manger scene. It's, it, it's more than a St. Nicholas who brought gifts to kids or more than reindeers. It, 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 those are all cute and, cute and sweet things. But there's something so significant happening 2,000 years ago when the baby Jesus came to the planet, born in a manger. What God was, was doing was restoring hope. He was reengaging humanity. He brought with him in this manger a new covenant. What Jesus was all about on that day, his birth and his life on this earth was so much more than just, oh, the Savior has come and that's good. It was about a new plan that God had. At creation, Adam and Eve in the garden sinned against the Father. They decided, you know what, no longer do we want to be in obedience but we want to do our own way. Sin entered humanity. And from that time forward, every child born, every grandchild born has a sin nature. It's natural to sin. It's unnatural not to sin. 
it's natural to sin. So thousands of years into this dilemma, God found a man named Abraham. He was a righteous man. He actually wanted a relationship with the living God. So God pulled him aside and he said, Abraham, I will be your God and you will be my people. And every one of your children's 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 grandchildren, they will be in covenant relationship with me and we will be one. Abraham said, yes, Lord. We know those people as the Jews or Israel. Then when Moses came, he solidified that relationship with what is called the law, the law of Moses. It was the kind of the contractual agreements of what this relationship would look like. That it would have some dynamics to it. You and I, we don't usually use the word covenant in our modern day vernacular. But in biblical times and up until here recently, the term covenant. Covenant meant where two groups come together in a partnership, a, a, a mutual agreement that they decide to continue both sides having a, an effort and an energy into this relationship. And so the law of Moses was put into place. It was a law of do's and don'ts. It was a law of if you do this, God will do this. If you walk uprightly, he will be your God and protect you. If you serve him and you turn not your face away from him, he will turn not his face away from you. It was a law of Moses that brought a relationship to the Father. The problem with humanity, the problem with the Jews and all of humanity, is that we could not keep up our side of the contract or the covenant. Many of you have been in a relationship where someone who supposedly loved you cheated on you, ran off with others, and Israel constantly did that for 600 years. They would run off and serve other gods, and it broke the Father's heart. Here he was in contractual covenant relationship with these people. They were supposed to be the light to the world that all of humanity would say, oh, there's a people who know the living God. Oh, they have a relationship. I want that relationship. How may I come into that relationship? And they would be able to be grafted in and obey the law of Moses and work and live uprightly and God would be their God. Oh, but Israel kept going back and forth. They were an adulterous people. We were an adulterous people. And so, at 600 year mark, God sent a prophet named Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah prophesies a hope. He prophesies that there will be a new covenant, a new contract, a new relationship. And no longer will it be about do's and don'ts. And no longer will you be servants and he'll be God. No longer will you be employees and he'll be God. You won't even be partners. But the new covenant, you will be sons and daughters. And Jesus Christ, on that day, 2,000 years ago, when he was born, he brought forth the new covenant. He was what Jeremiah prophesied some 600 years early, that he would come and bring a way for you and I to back into relationship with the living God. And it wouldn't be about, a, about do's and don'ts and religious duties. It would be about becoming sons and daughters of the Most High God. When we're exchanging presents and we're laughing around the Christmas tree and fireplaces are going and all that beautiful scene. Friend, this thing is not about presents. This is about a hope that the Father could be back in relationship with us. And the carrier of a new covenant, a new way of interacting with the living God. A new covenant. As Jeremiah prophesied it, it would be new and transformed. And we would no longer be slaves. We would no longer be servants of God. We would no longer be partners with God. We would be sons and daughters. Imagine, if you will, those of you Cowboy Nations folks in the room, if Jerry Jones said to all of his employees, 
to all the players on his team. No longer are you employees. Tear up the contracts. Your two-year contract tore up. No longer are you uh, just doing a job and you have to work at your desk. No longer are you just fans, but you're now sons and daughters of the Jones family. Imagine beginning to become, he adopts you into his family. All of the employees, all of the players, they're now Jones. They walk in the stadium, and that seat is there, and that seat is theirs, and that over there is theirs. They can do whatever they will. Why? Because they become sons. Listen to me, friend. All the healing that God paid for is yours. All the power that generates through the heavenly host is yours as sons and daughters. What we're celebrating is not the birth of some obscure child. It's not the, that Jesus just came to the earth. It's that Jesus was the carrier of a new covenant. That Jesus was the transformation of God's interaction with humanity. The God who created us, who wanted a relationship with us, said, you know what? The old covenant wasn't working. The old covenant was wonderful in what it was, but I'm bringing forth a new covenant. And those who call upon the name of my son shall be saved. They will be my sons and my daughters. I'll put in them the Holy Spirit, and he will give them the ability to be sons and daughters, and they will cry out, Abba, Father, as this Galatians passage taught us. Friend, can I tell you something? This is a beautiful time of the year. And it is great that we give to one another. And that we take a moment and say, oh man, I've been a little greedy. I ought not be that way. And we actually get with family and friends. But the reason for this season is not some ethereal Jesus name. It's not some manger scene. It's, it's not some Rudolph story or some St. Nicholas story. The reason... That Jesus was sent. The perfect gift is so that you and I could embrace a new covenant. A new ability to be his. In and of our own strength, we can't be good enough. You, you know that. You've tried not to sin and you continue to sin. You try to be good and you can't be good enough. And that's what the beauty of this new covenant was. Because it was based on grace by faith through Jesus Christ. Not based on what you do and don't. Come on somebody. Not based on your works. Not based on you being good or bad, but based on the fact that he was good and that he came and he upheld what we could not uphold. See, a covenant relationship in biblical times, the word covenant in Hebrew actually denotes that there's a cutting. There's a sharing of blood, if you will. There's a, there's a mark that happens because in those days they didn't have contracts like us. They would literally say, okay, I'm going to do business with you. You're going to do business. And they would literally, they would make a covenant relationship and they would they would cut blood. They would kill an animal walking between or something like that. I can remember as a kid, I don't know if it was all the Western films that I watched or what. I remember me and my best friend pricking our fingers and becoming blood brothers forever. I don't even know that guy anymore. But he's got my blood in him somewhere down out there. He's going to walk up, hey, blood brother. It's that whole blood piece that had to happen. So, yes, he came as a child, but he was born to save. See, the blood that he shed on that cross was so that you and I could be in covenant relationship with the living God. A covenant, a relationship. That's all God's ever wanted from people. He just wanted to be their God. He just wanted to be their father. I don't know about you, but there's a big difference between the neighbor's kids and my kids. Come on, somebody. Somebody at the store is rude to my kid, Papa Bear comes out. 
Somebody's rude to your kid. Boy, they, they shouldn't do that. I want you to know that he made a way for you to be his sons and his daughters. That you belong to him. This is the great Christmas miracle. This is the great goal of heaven. This is what the manger scene and the birth of Christ was all about. That you and I get to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is interacting. He's interacting with these Corinthians who have come to know Christ. They have come into relationship with this new covenant, if you will. But they'd never been believers before. They didn't have the old covenant as a background of what right and wrong should be. And so as a result, these Corinthians, and Corinth was a seaport city. It's kind of like our L.A. or our Paris or our, you know, our New York. It's, you know, it was a place where all the travelers would come and from around the world. And they would bring in all of their different ways of doing things. And it really was a pretty perverted and wicked city. And so these people who, Corinthians, had grown up there, though they had come to Christ and they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, they still had some real wickedness about them and kind of sounds like the American church. And so Paul is in interaction with them about this covenant interaction. And one of the beauties of this new covenant is that it's salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's also not about works, but it's about life and life in Christ alone. And then pieces of this covenant, things like, oh, getting water baptized to show the whole world that we are in covenant relationship with the Lord. Uh, Things like taking communion, which we're about to do, which is that peace that says, yes, I'm in covenant relationship with the Lord. And Paul is interacting with these Corinthians and he says, listen, we're about to take communion. He says, but some of you have taken it unworthily. He said, and that's why some of you are sick. Because you've disrespected this covenant relationship and this symbol of taking communion. Because Jesus said when you take the bread, it's, it's as though you're remembering my body shed on the cross. And when you drink the juice, it's for the blood that I shed. You're remembering that and being grateful for that. And the covenant bonding pieces, it bonds us together as we take communion. And it bonds us to the Lord. And so Paul warns them, listen, Corinthians, don't take unworthily. Be sure that you examine yourself. Because, yes, there's grace, but in grace we should ask for forgiveness when we sin because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so Paul challenges them. Check yourself. If there's something you need to repent of, do that. And I want to take the next couple minutes, and I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes because we're going to take communion as a family. But I want you to evaluate yourself. I want you to look and see if there's anything that you need to repent of. Examine. Have you lied? Have you been cheating? Have you been stealing? Do you need to ask the Lord's forgiveness? This is the beauty of the new covenant, that you and I can ask for forgiveness. And as sons and daughters, we're forgiven. Father, I pray right now that you would hear the cry of the repentant heart. Lord, I ask you to forgive us. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, for the things that are not right in your sight, for my sin. As the word says, the sin that so easily entangles. Lord, I pray for mercy and grace. I stand here, not in my righteousness, but in Christ's righteousness. As a son adopted in. Thank you, Jesus, for being the bearer of the new covenant that I can be like you, the son of the most high God. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I gotta be honest, I'm not a Christian. I don't have a son-daughter relationship with God. Maybe you grew up in an environment where they told you you had to work for your salvation. You had to say so many prayers and give so much money. You had to do so much labor for his favor. Well, that's anti the word. This new covenant, it's rooted in grace and mercy. And we become sons and daughters. Yes, he disciplines his sons and daughters, but we're still his sons and daughters. Today, if you're not a Christian, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your moment to make a turnaround. This is your moment to come into a covenant relationship with your creator through Jesus Christ. The word of God says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. With your head bowed and your eye closed, if you're not a Christian, this should be your moment to ask Jesus into your life. Right where you sit, if that's you and you want me to pray for you, I'm not gonna call you for it. I just wanna be able to pray for you. I want you to acknowledge to yourself and to the Lord that you're coming to him, that you're starting that new relationship. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. It's time. I'm ready to serve God. I'm ready to be a Christian. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Now I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray this out loud, those who lifted their hands. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you know you know that you want a real relationship with Jesus and you haven't had that, then I want you to mean this prayer with all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life, my wants, my desires. Here and now, I come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And I make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I belong to you. We are one. And I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.